Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Editor's Desk here on Biz News Radio. I'm Felicity Duncan and with me on the line is Biz News Editor-in-Chief Alec Hogg. It was uh, all corruption all the time this week, Alec, with a lot of news breaking on the state capture side. And I think we're going to really focus in on that today and try and lay out some of the implications. To start with, let's talk about the really extraordinary news from the U.S. Department of the Treasury uh, on the Guptas. They, uh, they are now officially in trouble. You know, a lot of these, a lot of work's been done in the background. Uh, when I was in the UK, I was quite close to um, numerous people who were busy with investigations, who were engaging with the US officials then. Of course, Peter Hain, who stood up in the House of Lords and, and did his bit, uh, all of those protesters who were outside of Bell Pottinger, uh, and, and so it goes. But the behind the scenes, when the US officials start getting involved, they don't take these things lightly. They they want uh, proof. They want chapter and verse, and then they start uh, getting in, getting well. The kind of statement that we saw this week from that perspective was extraordinary in many many regards. But firstly, you've lived in America, so you you've been a little closer to the the way that the system works there. Maybe. Maybe you can just unpack it for us and, and what it means for the Guptas. Absolutely. Well, so the, the Department of the Treasury, um, specifically the Office of uh, Foreign Assets Control, uh, they've now sanctioned the Guptas, uh, you know, the uh, AJ Atul and Rajesh. And that's a big deal because it places them essentially on a list of people who you can't really do business with. They're under sanctions. They are... Um, falling foul, let's say, of America's fairly robust anti-money laundering and counter-terrorism financing laws. And what it essentially does, what being a sanctioned person really starts to do to you, is it starts to put you outside of the U.S. financial system, which, you know, uh, when I say that doesn't sound all that serious. But in fact, the U.S. financial system is the only game in town because virtually all global transactions still have to take place in dollars, which gives the uh, the American government enormous reach throughout the financial system. Because, you know, if you want to move money, at some point you're going to have to buy and sell dollars, basically. Um, and so what we've seen uh, in the last few years is the U.S. government really more and more aggressively using its control and leverage over the financial system to identify and punish people who are involved in corrupt activities, and particularly people whose corrupt activities then have a knock-on effect on U.S. business, as, for example, would be the case of uh, using payments to get government contracts and so forth, because that obviously prejudices bidders from outside of the country. It, it impacts uh, freedom of trade and so forth. So once you're sanctioned, you really slowly but surely get locked out of American financial systems. And that really starts to isolate you. Um, it starts to make it impossible for you to travel. It starts to limit your options for disposing of assets. Um, sometimes limits your options for actually accessing your assets, because if you are, have any money in accounts that the American government can reach, that money can ultimately be frozen. Um, so it's, it starts to attack people who've been sanctioned uh, where it really hurts, which is on the financial side. And 
can eventually obviously lead to clawbacks and so forth of, of assets in some cases, depending on the specifics of the charges. So, you know, for the Gupta's, this is really bad news because it's going right for the wallet. Uh, and the people going for the wallet are people who really know what they're doing and who have great expertise in tracking money as it moves through the, the banking and financial system and really good forensic auditors to say, look, this is where the money came from. This is where it went. Here's the information. Yeah. What I find also so interesting about this was the connection with Bill Browder, who I interviewed while I was in London. Now, he's a he's an extraordinary human being as well. Uh, who was in Russia? He was uh, he's a hit, he was originally a hedge fund manager, and he was uh, he, he was buying shares in the businesses that had been privatized. Uh, there was a way of doing that, and he was making money for investors, mainly in the United States, but also I suppose from Russia itself. And while he was doing this, he had various uh, legal. Um, a legal team, including a guy called Sergei Magnitsky. Anyway, Sergei Magnitsky was uh, arrested by the Russians without any evidence, taken to a jail, beaten to death by nine prison warders. And as a consequence of that, uh, Bill Browder, who had to flee the country before all of this happened, made it his life's work to not allow Magnitsky's death to be forgotten. And he then started lobbying in Washington for those who are abusing the global financial system, and particularly the U.S. Uh, US dollar-based system, the one you've just been explaining, uh, to be punished. And he started off with John McCain, the late John McCain, who then championed a bill that went through the U.S. Congress called the Magnitsky Act. And it is in terms of the Magnitsky Act that any person anywhere in the world, they don't even have to have ever visited America, can be put onto the sanction list. So isn't that interesting? You had a Russian lawyer who was murdered by the, the Russian state, who is the reason why the Guptas are now in such deep water. It's, it's, uh, it's lovely to see that in the, the home of the brave and the land of the free that gets so much negative press, uh, I suppose, sometimes justifiably, that they are still the guys who are the, the global policemen on the financial uh, matters and are in a position where it's now affecting criminals anywhere in the world who have to beware. The Guptas probably the last thing on their minds while they were money laundering between Hong Kong and the UK was to worry or consider, and of course, money laundering through South Africa as well, to consider that the Americans might be after them, but they indeed have been. And that's really good news for the good guys around the world. Absolutely. And it's also very exciting to see the investigative power of various of the offices um, at the Treasury brought to bear on the Guptas because they really know what they're doing. They're good at following the money. And that hopefully will result in some hard evidence that may be even useful to prosecutions and investigations that are ongoing here in South Africa. Now, talking about ongoing investigations, of course, we would be remiss if we didn't pick up a little bit about what was a very exciting week uh, in front of the Zondo Commission. And um, there was a lot that happened. There was very interesting conflicting testimony. There were raids. There were accusations thrown. It's just another week of high drama uh, there in front of uh, Judge Zondo. And um, I know that you've been following that quite closely. Well, yeah, and it should have been even more interesting because 
When uh, Angelo Agritzi gave his testimony in January, he made lots of allegations, and they were uh, treated in the media generally as though they were fact. Now, this is very dangerous because anybody, any young reporter who's been sent on the court's beat, which is where every young reporter should start, knows that you have affidavits from both sides and you never report the affidavit only of the one side. You try to be sure that when you do report it, it's alleged. You always use the word alleged. And that's why you know, some journalists now are under the impression that if they put alleged, it's going to save them from any legal issues. Well, it's, that's not the purpose of it. The purpose is when you're reporting an affidavit to say so-and-so alleged X, Y, Z, so that the person who's reading it knows that it is one side of the story. It seemed to have got lost in the Zondo Commission because when Agritzi made his uh, dynamite statement in, in, well, over many days, he alleged many things uh, and the opposing parties never have an opportunity to uh, respond. Well, the first of these is a guy called Kevin Wakeford, who has spent literally his pension, he had cash in his pension, on legal fees over the last nine months to put together an affidavit. He's been going back and forth to the Zondo Commission. And now finally on Monday, he was given his day. And his day was going to be to cross-question. Well, first of all, just to, to, to be... Um, uh, provide his own testimony in the way that everybody else has been doing, but then the opportunity to cross-question the Zondo Commission's star witness. And he has a, a very strong case uh, if, if, you, if you go through the work that he's done, etc., and, and just the off-the-record stuff I've, I've had a, a look at. He then gets to the commission and agrees his lawyers uh, petition for a postponement. Now, they've known that this is going to happen uh, some, for some time, but apparently their legal counsel is abroad. Anyway, so Kevin didn't get his day, but Agrisi was warned that, it, just like Jacob Zuma was warned later, uh, that this is the only postponement you're getting, so your day will arrive. And I often wonder whether those who do this, who postpone the inevitable, are actually doing themselves any favor because it, it can't be easy to be sleeping at night when you know that you're being challenged uh, possibly by somebody on the other side who actually is telling the truth, whereas you, you might not be telling the whole of it. So it's, it's interesting. It should have been, more in, it should have been uh, even more riveting. But Kevin Wakeford didn't get his day. Just by way of a little bit of background on him, he is the uh, former chief executive of the South African Chamber of Business who blew the whistle on Deutsche Bank's abuse of the RAND. They, were, they basically trashed the RAND, used the balance sheet of what then was a massive international bank. They've slimmed down a lot since then uh, and used it to go short on the RAND and to make lots of money for the misery of many South Africans who ended up paying much higher interest rates. There was a commission of inquiry that uh, Wakeford called for and that commission of inquiry exposed everything. And then Barry Sargent, a former colleague of ours, late Barry Sargent, also wrote a whole book of it on it called uh, Assault on the Rand. But that's where Kevin Wakeford comes from. So he lost his job as the head of the South African Chamber of Business for blowing the whistle on what became the Rand Commission. Now he's been put on the other end of it, and he's been attacked by a greasy as being a corrupt uh, individual, and he, he was to have his opportunity to cross-question. Never got that. But it's coming. It's coming down the line, and uh, 
I guess all good things do come to those who wait. Yes, it's a, it's very much a bit of a waiting game with this. And, and you know, the, as the commission unfolds over what is getting to be a longer and longer period of time, um, we're seeing a lot of this kind of uh, he said, she said, conflicting testimony coming forward. And, you know, it's a big job for the Zondo Commission to unpick it. Um, and I, I was uh, pleased to see them exercising more of their search and seizure powers um, and documentary subpoena powers this week. Uh, again, you know, in the quest to to find out more, which is, um, yeah, it's important to have not just the testimony of people who, as you point out, may not be telling the truth. You know, maybe nobody's telling the truth. We just don't really know. Uh, and that's why it's so important that they're out there also gathering uh, hard evidence and hard uh, hard documentary evidence of, of where things went and what happened. Of course, it's, it's a difficult thing to do. No one would d- deny that. But, um, you do need, uh, you do need more than just verbal testimony, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, uh, as I say, it goes back to Courts 101 and a place that all young reporters should be sent before they're allowed to sit in front of a computer screen. But anyway, that's, that's the old days. And I suppose uh, the juniorization of newsrooms nowadays means they don't really get that opportunity. But what did happen, a, a little related to what you said a moment ago, was that the Financial Conduct Authority, uh, which is the one that looks after uh, movements on the Johannesburg manipulation of, of, of uh, financial areas on the Johannesburg Stock Exchange, in, uh, in addition to other things, they raided an office as well, the offices of Sekunjalo and Iqbal Survey uh, was there to meet them and to have uh, his cameras uh, or his team's cameras available and, and to issue this really, really emotive and strong statement accusing the president and Pravin Gordon of doing this, of, of uh, initiating this raid because his reporters, as he put it, has got, have got evidence on uh, the senior politicians, which they're going to be disclosing over the weekend. Wow. I mean, that's quite a jump <laughs> from, from a raid on, a, on a, a company listed on the stock market that, uh, well, the shares were sold to the um, to retirement savings of the state at, I think it was 43 rand, and are now sitting at about 5 rand a share. And along the road, and very, very light trading as well, and along the way, um, there are allegations that the share price has been manipulated. Now, all of that will come out in the wash, but uh, Iqbal's survey is is really under a bit of pressure right now. And I guess when somebody arrives at your offices and starts downloading information from laptops and has a, a, a judge's court order to do so, uh, it, it can't be a pleasant situation to be in. So I guess his reaction... Uh, was was under those circumstances uh, uh, driven by stress. I wonder, though, if he's, he's, he's going to regret it because immediately thereafter there was a response to his statement from uh, Pravin Gordon, the State Enterprises Minister, and, and, and Mr. Incorruptible, really, in a South African sense, as his fighting against the Guptas has shown. And uh, he said that this was unacceptable, and he's going to now do what he needs to do as a consequence of those allegations. So... He said, she said, but in the end, there's only one truth. And uh, those who aren't telling it are the ones who are going to get hurt. That's all we have time for. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to read a summary of this interview, there's one up in the Business Premium section. 
sign up for premium, just £5 a month, and that gives you access to all of our great content and full digital access to the Wall Street Journal.